0: Today, um, we're going to talk about authentic spiritual growth, authentic spiritual growth. Father, we thank you for the capacity through Christ to grow, to never remain the same. Lord God, pierce us with that reality that we may be on an ever-increasing trajectory of the newness that you give to us. And so, uh, in in light of that, Lord God, help the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your Sight, O oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that? said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We're, we're in, in, in our series on 1 um, Thessalonians, walking through this, uh, the, this, this idea of authentic Christianity. Somebody say authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity. Yeah. yeah um, um, Christianity in and of itself should be authentic. However, there are counterfeits of everything that God creates. The enemy creates that. And so in light of those counterfeits, there always needs to be a, car- a clarification, if you will, uh, uh, to make sure that the authenticity of what, uh, uh, of what God has created is preserved and we're reminded of. And so we come to this section in the passage where Timothy has been sent by God's grace, um, that, he, that he's been sent. Uh, he and maybe Silas may be with him uh, based on Acts chapter 17 verse 15 and so the, he sent them back to the Thessalon- Thessal- Thessalonians to be able to see where they are spiritually and, and, and to make sure that they're still walking with the Lord and they're walking steadfast with the Lord and so Timothy comes back and gives a, 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 a brailing and shining and brilliant a sort of a, a testimony of how well the people of God who only were in the Bible for three weeks, who only had three weeks of gospel preaching, only three weeks of, uh, of incarnational ministry and relationship um, to the Apostle Paul. And so, and so now we come here and, and we see Timothy's report, and, and his report for, for us will just reveal some, some things kind of inferentially, if you will, uh, what, what you're seeing he noticed in their lives and, and how blown away Paul, Silas, and Timothy were when they got this report and saw how well that they were doing. So, so the first thing we're going to look at, we got four kind of points we're going to walk through today. Um, if, if you're going to have authentic spiritual growth, the, the first thing you must, you must recognize or have is you must have a passion for Jesus. Uh, you, you must have an undying, uh, uh, relentless, unbelievably unconceivable passion for Jesus Christ, and I know that point seems almost embarrassing that you have to talk to Christians about having a passion for Jesus Christ, but, but, but I, but I got to tell you that every now and then in your walk with Jesus Christ, you're not as passionate for him as you should be, yeah. and, and, and when that happens in your life, we must walk in a deep encouragement of recognizing biblically what do, God has done in our life to, to formulate this passion for Jesus Christ in our life. And so here in the text, you see Timothy giving the testimony, and Paul says, he says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly. It's interesting here that he uses this phrase over again that he's going to use over and over and over again from verses 1 through 13, and that's your faith. Somebody say your faith. Now, when we talk about your faith, your faith here, like we talked about last time, isn't merely just your belief in God in, in, in this in Pauline, Pauline theology here. It, it's not merely their belief in God, but it's their stability in the Lord. In in other words, it's it's the the comprehensive health and stability of their spiritual life being maintained that they continue to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, I came to check on your faith. In, in, in In other words, when we talk about this idea of spiritual growth and growing consistently spiritually and having a passion for Jesus Christ, that, that looks like several things. That, that, looks like, that looks like several things that I want to applicationally give to you. As the point is, but I do want to mention the point as a sub-point again, under this point, is if you are going to have a passion for Jesus, it must be an undomesticated passion for him. An undomesticated passion for Jesus. Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 10 says something booming. He says, unless you hate mama, daddy, my dear, big mama, all of them, he said, you got to hate everybody. And he said, you're not worthy of me. In other words, he's not saying literally hate them. Well, what he's saying is, is that your passion for me should be so overwhelming. Your love for me should be so exalted. You're designed by myself, but your love for me should be so set aside in the way you love me uniquely. You shouldn't love anybody like you love me. And if, when you don't love anybody else like you love me, your love for them looks like hate in comparison to the love that you have for me. See, see, see undomesticated means you don't let nobody train your passion for Jesus. Uh, I, 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 y'all know Pastor Doug. He got them dogs and carrying on. He, he always got them dogs. He's breeding dogs. He's a dog breeder. And as he's breeding dogs, one of the things that he has to do when, he's, when he gets the dog is he has to domesticate the dog. In other words, he has to train the dog to be in an environment that it wasn't created to be in, but to adjust it to what he wants it to be versus what it was created to be. See, listen, this world will try to sanitize your passion for Jesus and try to try to train you out of your wild and, and almost uneducated passion for Jesus Christ. In other words, people, people in your life will come around you To try to say that's not listen, it don't take all that. I mean, you ain't gotta be that committed. I mean, I go to church too. I'm in my Bible too. So why you gotta like be all like all crying and stuff when you when when you mention what God delivered you from and all of that, and you get all excited about that? What does that have to do with anything? And you tell them it has to do with everything. Because if you knew him like I knew him and you knew where I was, you would have a passion for them too. And see, see you, have to, you can't let people sanitize your passion. You, you, and that's what happened with the Thessalonians. They, they were still passionate for Christ. Another sign of this idea of passion for Jesus Christ is that your heart no, is no longer hardened towards God, his word, and his spirit. This is powerful, right? Because these are the things that Timothy kind of found when you talk about stability of faith. Points back to signs throughout the scriptures of the fact that the people of God... This idea of passion for Christ is is, is nothing new for them uh, or for for the Scriptures. In Ezekiel, I I quote this a lot because it's such a foundational passage for Christians. In Ezekiel 36, God talks about us having a heart of stone before we met him. That means your heart was an impenetrable fortress. And in its disconnectedness from God. In other words, you didn't like him. You didn't care for him. You didn't want him, and as a matter of fact, you weren't looking for him. Somebody tell me they found the Lord. You're a liar because he wasn't lost. You were. And so, and, so, and, so, and, so, and so your heart was hardened towards him. And so in order for your life to be changed, for, in order for you to have the potential for what he wants for you, he had to take that heart of stone out of you and put a heart of flesh in you or a heart that was penetrable. That, that, that heart of flesh just means a heart that is able to be responsive to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and God Himself. And so people who have a passion for Jesus Christ and who are growing spiritually are, are, are response, responsive to God. Now, there are three ways that they're responsive. They're responsive, number one, to their value system being changed. See, that means that, means that you have to be responsive to the fact, by God's grace, it's booming, that you have stinking thinking. And and, and when you recognize that you have stinking thinking, what you do is you allow your thinking to be changed because of your receptivity to the living God. That's how you grow. If you can't say, I need this file deleted, I need this file deleted, I need this file deleted, and I need this uploaded to my spiritual hard drive, you're not going to grow and you're not going to have a passion for the Lord. Why? Because your thoughts Are not his thoughts, but when he gives you the Spirit of God and changes your mind, he gives you the capacity on a very, very minute level to understand his thoughts. But then it's one thing to understand his thoughts, and it's another thing to have a passion for him. So so if you're gonna have a passion for Jesus, right? The heart in that mindset means mind, emotions, will, as we always say. So this values now you can't just have theological values because you will just you just talk gibberish. So therefore, there has to be a passion, if you will, or an attractional, not an aversion. As I, when I was in psychology, you studied the taste aversions, but, but 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 a desire and a passion for, for the flavor of the living God. Let me see if I can make it plain. See, God changes your passions. And, and, and when he changes your passions, it, it, it treats you a certain way. Now, he doesn't take away your passions. Let me say that again. He doesn't take away your passions. He helps you to redirect them. Right. Now, this is what's interesting with the believers that he was finding out as he was watching them. So, 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 so sometimes I, I, I'm, 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 like I'm in the airport and I'm walking past and Ben and Jerry's in the name of Jesus. Help me, Father. And I smell waffles. Now, it's interesting, I'm like, I smell the waffle smell from the place because they're cooking the waffles, but it makes me want ice cream. Now I'm saying, now I'm smelling waffles, but it gives me a taste for ice cream. And, 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 and after a while of me smelling it and getting used to the fact that, that, I'm, that I'm smelling these waffles, I know that Ben & Jerry's is somewhere nearby, and that aroma draws me in. I wish I had some help. That aroma draws me in because my passion for it is being nurtured by this aroma, and this aroma is nurturing me, and I got to go somewhere and get something that I that, 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 that I like to have a taste for. See, when you know the Lord and you have a passion for the Lord, the Holy Spirit will wave an aroma in your life, and you'll smell the Holy, you'll smell the Lord. He said, oh my God, I got to get into His presence. Why? Because when you have a passion for Him, you're no longer rejecting Him, you're no longer pushing away from him, you're you're, you're enduring to walk with him, you're enduring to live for him, and and you have his values and you have his passion and when you have that in your life, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. But But also, you know, a person that has a passion for Jesus Christ, these are some practical things that Christians do based on your faith or faith stability here. They repent clearly of the sins they commit. They, they repent clearly of the sins that they commit. But not only, not only that, they are committed to heaven's agenda. Yeah. Now, now, this is the beast right here. Be, well, you know com- because Jesus says in John six thirty three, He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness, all, uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven, all of His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When He talks about uh, uh, um, 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 that idea of seeking the kingdom, it means that that every good opportunity or every opportunity that comes my way is not necessarily a God opportunity. And so that means that I don't just seek out my personal passions and follow my heart. I don't follow my heart. Why? Because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So therefore, I don't follow my heart. But the person that seeks the kingdom doesn't look at opportunities. It looks at heaven. And and, and, and what you would would do is you say, God, I, I don't know whether I'm supposed to be doing this or not, this looks like a great opportunity, but Lord, I'm just praying to you, is this you? Is this you? Because see, if you, if, you, if you can't stop and pray, is it you, God? Then guess what? You're following your own heart. And you're going to get to the point in your life where you're going to learn following your heart doesn't work. <laughs> and, so, and so having a passion for God says, my passions don't work. His do. So therefore, I am going to seek heaven's agenda. Matter of fact, Jehoshaphat one time didn't seek the Lord. He said, and he did not seek the Lord his God. He reaped it. Then after that, he said, when, when Ahab tried to get him to go to war with him, you know, he was, like, he was like, should we go to war? He said, you know, I mean, you got some prophets in here. I think them some prophet liars. And so, you know, why don't you bring some dudes that know the Lord? He said, there's one prophet, but... He always don't tell me what I want to hear. He all, you know, he always got to tell me some calamity or something. He said, well, get Micaiah. Bring that dude in here. I don't feel like hearing from him. And, he saw, and Jehoshaphat said, well, I guess we shouldn't go to war. Because Micaiah began telling them the truth about what was going to happen. Why? And this is what happens when you have a passion for God. When you hear the truth, you respond to it. In in, in other words, you don't let your passion, your personal passions become your personal preferences before God's biblical principles. Because if your personal preferences override God's biblical principles, then what will begin to happen is your life is built with you at the center and not him at the center. And so what what Timothy found when he went to the Thessalonians was a people that had a stable, stable, stable faith. But not only a stable faith, they had a stable love. Stable love. He, say, he said, your faith, verse, he says, he says in the next, he says in the latter part of the verse, he says, but now, Timothy, now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. This love is, again, affection for Jesus. And so, and so these affections for Jesus, see, when you have affections for Jesus, it, 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 gives, you, it gives you two really strong things in your life when it comes to agape. Agape, we always think of agape as God's unconditional love for us, which is true. Um, uh, um, 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 but, 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 but in an expanded and even practical meaning of it, it simply means to obey God. Yeah, Je- Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, yeah. you will keep my commandments. Yeah. In, in, in other words, you won't rewrite what I say. You'll swallow the bigness of the pill of what I got to say. I remember my wife gave me this, this multivitamin pill. And that thing, I thought you should give to a horse. I mean, John was, 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 was so, so doggy, and it was nasty. But, but, but I knew that I needed to eat the pill. And so I filled my wife with water and swished it around like this. And put the joint in there and then helped it to go down. Even though it was difficult to go down, I knew that it was for my good. When you look at the word of the Lord and when you look at the God's call on your life to be obedient to him, love here is not just the mushy, I love you, Lord, and you love me and we love each other and we're going to run off in the wilderness with each other with our arms crossed and it's going to be a slow scene and the wind is going to be blowing and your hair is going to be going back and mine. That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about grimy obedience. But guess what it also talks about? It, it, you know, when you, when you love the Lord, you'll stay places you know your call, but you feel like leaving. Yeah. Listen, you ever been somewhere where you wanted to, you, you said, now, I'm just saying, God, you know, I'm here because of you. Ain't no other reason... I'm right where I am. But what's beautiful about walking with God, when you love him, you won't let your love for situations override your love for him. Why? Because you hate your situation, but you love him. Yeah. And therefore, it makes you stay somewhere and even love being there, not because you like where you are, but you like who's with you where you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that's where the Thessalonians were going through trials. Saturday, Sabbath, they went in the synagogue, Paul and them preached. Boom! Trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Sunday, they was going through hell. Yeah. But guess what? They stayed in the situation. Yes. They stayed in the situation, and, and, and that's powerful because love of the Lord... Make, love, loving Jesus makes you weird. <laughs> you become real kooky because you do things that people would normally do. Why are you doing that? Because I love the Lord. Amen. You're like, you love the Lord, so what does that have to do with anything but... If God is love, it's interesting when people pontificate on the love of God. You ever met somebody where they did reduce God to love only and forget about holiness and grace and all of that? Because God is not just love. He's holy love. He's just love. He's righteous love. He's eternal love. He's merciful love. So his love is described by the other adjectives that are in his attributes wish I had some help right now. I need to be somewhere Pentecostal to get some help. But I'm just letting you know right now that the love of God, people say, well, if you love the Lord, see, I believe God's love too, my God's love, my God's love. And, you know, um, I believe that, you know, the love of God, you know, that's when they're doing all of that, they're just making something up, a God of their own imagination. They, you know, the love of God is, you know, it, it kind of You know, and they start doing all of these movements and stuff. They're lying. They're making up stuff. And and saying, well, you know, I believe that he lets us, you know, kind of decide and do what we want. And you just kind of make it happen. And you're kind of like, what is, I mean, I don't, I'm lost. Because where does love have to do with any of that, right? Because the love, but the love of God is the greatest motivator in your life that you have. It's the greatest motivator in your life that you have. And that's what the Thessalonians sensed. And that's what the Thessalonians felt and knew biblically, based on what they were taught, just in that little bit of time. Uh, um, but, but number two, number two. So, so we see a path. Number one, a passion for Jesus. Number two, Paul, uh, Paul uh, Timothy notices in them a power. They were an emp- a powerful encouragement to others. They, uh, 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 um, they, they were a powerful encouragement to others. In, in verse, <coughs> in verse seven, it says, "For this reason, brothers." In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. That's crazy. Now 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 they're talking about we're going through, but the testimony about you going through, us hearing about you going through and still walking with Jesus encourages us. That's too simple. I know it is, but the distress here means a state of trouble. And calamity and being under a whole bunch of pressure—that's what it means. Affliction means that everything in your life is going wrong and everything is breaking down in your life at the exact same time. That's what distress and affliction means. But then he says, "But he said, but he said, but he said, we're encouraged because your faith comforted us." Now, what does comfort mean? Comfort is to instill in someone through your life courage and cheer. Jesus would say over and over and over that be of good. Cheer, <clears throat> right? Mm. And so when we look at this, what does this have to do anything with encouragement? Well, why, is, why, why is this such a, a great point of spiritual growth? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort." Somebody say all comfort. All comfort. And he said, who comforts us in all our affliction. That means everything you go through... God cheers you up in. Yes, yes, yes. Lord, have mercy. So, so, so that means He's the God of all comfort, that comforts us in all of our affliction. Now, now, but, but, but check out. It, it goes further than that. It says so that. uh oh. There's a purpose. Listen, whatever God does in you has a purpose. So right here it says so that. Why? Why? Why, why does it say uh, so that? He says so that you may be that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with what? With the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. So that means whatever you're going through is not just for you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, listen, sometimes, listen, listen, let me just tell you something. God has allowed some horrific things to happen to you. He's allowed some very, very difficult things to happen to you. Then what he does is he joins you in that difficulty. And he rubs you on the shoulder, he said, you know what, this this is a beast, ain't it? Yeah, I've been there. I was on the cross. It was rough. Keep going. I love you. You know, he's rubbing your back and he's like, it's going to be all right. Stay on in that joint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, young buck, it's going to be all right. I I, I love you and I'm here, but I'm going to keep you in it. And he's comforting you while you're going through it. And then you learn just the secret of being in difficulty and receiving comfort from God. And as you go through it, you're like, uh, like God, you know what? You know what? I, I'm, I'm here. I hate being here. But you being here makes being here better than I'm being here. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, you're going to be given a testimony somewhere of God's comfort. And then somebody's going to spontaneously break down crying, and, and you're going to be like, good God, what just happened? And they're going to come up to you. They just said, you just don't know right now. I'm in something where I'm ready to give up on God and the faith. But when you told me about the comfort of God in your life, yes, yes, yes. I immediately felt the peace of God shove, just flow into every area of my soul. I was watching, I, I, was watching, uh, I don't watch too much Christian TV, but I, I was, I, you know, I love me some CeCe Winans and I love me some Donnie McClurkin. You know, I, I, I don't care what y'all say, I love both of them. Donnie take me in the Holy Ghost realm, right? I love me some Donnie. Donnie be in the spirit, so leave Donnie alone, right? But Donnie began telling, telling his testimony about being raped by his uncles. He said his uncles gang raped him. Now, you got to understand, when I heard that, it took me back to when I got molested. So I got molested by my next-door neighbor. So I'm sitting there just like going like this, just struggling with it and working through it. And, 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 and he just began talking about how difficult that was for him. And, 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 and then he began to talk about how God comforted him. Comforted him in it. And I don't know, strength came from somewhere. Let me, let me tell you something. You let, Listen, some of y'all need to admit that you're going through difficulty. Because some of y'all are in denial. Because God can't comfort people in denial. You can talk about, I don't receive it. I don't receive it. I rebuke the devil. You can, you, what are you talking? I don't. Re- I don't receive. You know. I don't receive that I'm in this situation. I know hell is breaking loose, but it's not really happening. It's like you can speak all of it speaking and talking you want to. You're still in the difficulty, and you ignoring it doesn't is is not faith. Yeah, right. Ignoring reality is not faith. If God would have ignored reality, He would have never sent Jesus to die in reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, the cross points us to the fact that God likes facing issues. See, God is a confrontational dude. You know what I'm saying? And see, and see, and see in your life, if you're going to grow, you're going to need to confront your passivity towards the difficulty that you went through. Because quiet as it's kept, some of y'all pissed with God. Quiet as it's kept, some of y'all really, really mad at God and you don't want to admit it. That's why you won't face it. But God doesn't comfort people that don't let him know they need his comfort. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He ain't going to force his way in. You just listen. You say, listen, you you tell God, you admit it and lay your brokenness before him. You better learn to lay your brokenness before him, especially y'all dudes. Because quietness has kept some of y'all a bunch of suckers the way you handle circumstance. Open up your heart to the living God. Stop punking out with him and say, God, I've been struggling. I've been struggling. And I need comfort. I don't need no comfort. No no man man ain't going to be touching me. I ain't going to be Nah, No, you need God's comfort. It's not effeminate to receive comfort from your king. Everybody needs the comfort of their God. Everybody. And when God comforts you, he heals you in that comfort. (laughs) He, and when he heals you in that comfort, you can dispense what you've received. Because whenever God gives something to you, he fills you with it. And he overfills you so that you have more than you have enough for you and you got something for somebody else. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's the way it works. So you got to admit everything. Everything, because, and that's what the Thessalonians did. You know, new believers, I love them because they're clumsy. These believers probably come, they were just probably like, they probably was just like, you know, man, I don't know. I just was doing something, you know, and they just talking, you know what I'm saying, and dealing with issues. Why? Because they're newbies, and they haven't gotten so holy that they've created ways to ignore reality. Because, see, some Christians aren't really, they, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've matured in your ability to, 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 to do a cover-up. You kind of like got CIA Christianity. You know what I'm saying? you like, you like a, you know, private, you know what I'm saying? See, some of y'all need to be a detective in your Christianity. That means you go looking for stuff. <laughs> I got to move, man. But I'm just telling you, when, when the God, he's the God of all comfort. That means there's nothing in your life that he can't comfort. Any every, every, every area in your life that's shattered and broken. God is enough for it. He's enough. He's enough for anything in your life. (laughs) So him being the God of all comfort, the the, the Thessalonian believers began learning this. And, 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 And they didn't even know that they were doing it. It was just bleeding out of them because they were growing spiritually. See, sometimes when God grows you spiritually, you don't know where you are. You just bleed it because that's who you are. And then it does stuff that you didn't know it was doing, and sometimes God won't let you know that you were doing it because when you find out you were doing it, you'll become prideful about it, so he keeps it away from you, but he impacts others' lives, and then they testify to the glory of God, not the glory of you, that he did it through you for them before his glory. And so, so, y'all say, why are you talking about suffering every week? Because it's in the text that I'm getting in. Like, I ain't trying to talk about suffering all the time. I don't really like it. But when the Bible talks about it, I got to talk about it. And so, and, so, and so the God of all comfort, Paul. Now, this is what blows my mind, though. <clears throat> this is the Paul. Now, now, Paul is not, like, this is Paul, right? Pharisee Paul. You know, Pentateuch memorized Paul. Study in the courts of Tyrannus Paul. <clears throat> Seeing the resurrected Jesus, Paul, now if you, if, let me just tell y'all right now, if I see the resurrected Christ, ain't nobody going to be able to tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? He saw the resurrected Christ. I mean, would you, I'm like, what you going to teach me? I saw Jesus, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't telling me, but, 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 but it's interesting. <clears throat> He's planted churches and done all of these different things, but, but the comfort that God was giving the believers was powerful enough to minister to the apostle Paul. That's what's so powerful about that, is that God used those new believers as a conduit for comfort of a guy who had a whole bunch of theological weightiness and a lot of work under his belt, but in the midst of all of that, he still needed the comfort of the living God. Let me just tell you something, no matter how much you know or think you know, you never graduate beyond being comforted by God. (laughs) <laughs> you never graduate from that. <laughs> and 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 and, and that, that, that means every stage of your life you're going to need it. And I don't know what it is. I'm trying to get off it, but it's it's I don't know what it is about when God when you when you know for a shadow of a doubt that God has intervened. I'm not talking about money in the bank. I ain't talking about none of that. I'm just talking about in you, in your heart when you know when you when you're took breaking points, see, I'm talking because I've been there, and you're at breaking points in your life, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit just comes in. You can't explain it. You can't blame it on a podcast. You can't blame it on a classic book you read. You can't blame it. You can't blame it on anybody but God. And, and, and listen, he'll do that. I, I don't know who this is for today, but I'm just letting you know that you should recognize that God's comfort is a very, very powerful thing. Next thing, third thing, got two more points and I'm out your way. Next thing you see Paul talking to the people of God about, about signs of their spiritual growth, an authentic spiritual growth. Next one is a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, th- this, is, this is the beast from the Middle East right here because when you look over in the verse and you look at verse 8, It says, for now we live. So, Paul's like, Dad, I'm being rocked right now by by God's grace in you guys' lives. Then he says, if you are standing fast in the Lord. Now, to be in the Lord means to be under the Lord. (laughs) Let me say that again. Y'all didn't get that. To be in the Lord is to be under the Lord. Now, you don't make Jesus Lord. See, in order to make Jesus a Lord, you have to be the king of the universe. The Bible says God has anointed him both Lord and Christ. God has bestowed upon him a name above every name that is the name of Jesus. Uh, every knee shall by every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to who? Glory of God the Father. However, we do set him aside as Lord in our hearts. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In other words, that's when you begin to give a, a unique place in your life to Jesus where he's enthroned On your heart. And and, and when you begin, and and, and the more lordliness, if you will, that He has in you, the more you know your life isn't your own. And when you know that your life is not your own, you know that you can't call the shots of your life, but the shots get called. Listen, heaven is not a democracy. God's not gonna say, well, you know, let's talk to creation. Come here, all the churches, let's come together. We, the Trinity, we can't figure this one out. Um, we want to, you guys to vote on... you would be like, man, no God ain't. God's going to be like, "blat out, this is what you're going to do, and you're supposed to nod your head, amen, all right? Uh, 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 in other words, lordship is undistinctive submission to God. See, that's when the rubber meets the road, when you just say, I'm going to submit to you. See, he was talking about they had, in three weeks of Christianity, they understood the lordship of Christ. In three weeks of Christianity, some of us have been Christians for 5, 10, 20 years and still struggling through it, yeah, yeah. The, the Lordship of Christ. Uh, uh, you, you know, if somebody say, I don't like that language, like, Lord, Why? say friend. I like the word friend, <laughs> right? I am a friend of God, That's a, and it's true. Uh, however, we want God to be our buddy. See, see because when God's a buddy, you, can, you think you can negotiate with him right? But sometimes God is not going to communicate his authority to you relationally. <laughs> sometimes sometimes he's just going to tell you. Now, when, but when you don't respond rightly to the lordship of God, you don't trust him because there's, you think there's a chink in his armor and that you can do a better job with your life than he can. But But when you understand that Hold on. He, I mean, he can just hold up. You, you, ever, you ever had your parents do a hold up on you? You know, when you, you, you kind of start smelling your underarm sauce a little bit. You're like, hold on. Who paying the bills in this house? Hold on. Whose clothes you got on? You know, cause I remember mean, one time I was going to run away. I I'm was like, I'm, I'm gone. My dad said, he opened the door. I was like, dang, he wasn't supposed to do that. He messing the whole manipulation thing up. You know, so I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll be back. He said, "What you going upstairs? For? I'm going upstairs. I'm packing me a little bag. I'm going to the street. I'm, I'm about to walk out the house." He said, "Hold up." I said, "What?" He said, um, "You're running away, but that's my stuff." <laughs> I said, "You can't wear these underwear." He's like, "No, nah, I pay for them though. Um, give me the suitcase. Give me everything. Now go. I'll let you have the clothes. I'm being gracious." Yeah. And so I'm like, "Man, like, like." And then and so I, what, what I did was that uh, what he was doing was letting me know I've been gracious to you. So how in the world are you going to act like this towards my authority when I've been good to you? That's what God says to you when you get to smelling your nasty little underarm sauce. He tells you, listen, how are you going to act like that towards me when I've been so good to you? Well, because when you recognize the goodness of God to you, then you don't mind him being your Lord because he's earned it. Let me give you an example. In marriage, if you marry a fool, um, woman, well, I you're going to struggle with... Following him, because there's no telling where he's going to lead you. Now, that goes to the question of you marrying him in the first place, but, um, you know. But, but, but believe, like, like, I, like the, the last three business deals you tried to do ain't work, so I don't know if you want to follow that, right? And so what begins to happen, though, is you, if you get a man, let me tell you something. If a man follows Jesus, he prays about every decision gets on his knees. Some of them say, mm, all right. Um, he exists. He exists, ladies. And so um, <laughs> prays about decisions, and, 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 and the wife sees a track record of God being with him when he makes a decision. She doesn't mind following him because she knows God is with him. See, when you, and you because you can trust where you're going because you know he's trusting in the one that's the author and finisher of your faith. Now, apply that to the actual author and finisher of your faith. Why not follow him like that? Yes. See, some of y'all need to sell out. Sell out! What you got to lose? Because you're going to lose, earth is going to lose everything anyway. So what do you got to sell your life over? Because he's already bought it. Give it everything in your life to Jesus. Just, I don't know who I'm saying, give it, give it. Stop wrestling and tasseling and just say, God, I surrender all. I surrender all today, God. I give up my pettiness. I give up my dreams, God. I give up my drunkenness. I give up my whore mongling. I give up my pornography. I Lord, no, I just, I'm I, here. Just give it to him. Give it, to, don't look at me funny. Give it to him. Every, everything, just say, God, I, I, I want to melt away in you. Paul says, I made, that I may be lost and found in him. He's not that I attained it, but I pressed towards the mark of the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Give your life to the Lordship of Jesus. Everything. Stop. Stop. Listen, listen. Whenever you hide areas of your life, you're you're not allowing it to be under his Lordship. See, spiritual growth demands that you respond to his Lordship. But that happens one last way, and I'm out your way. had a lot more to go over, but I got to get past it. Last thing. Last thing and last but not least, we always have the need for improvement. <laughs> you got to recognize, if you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to recognize you always got a need for improvement. It's right here in the text. Look at what Paul says. He, he, said, he says, as we pray more earnestly a night and day that we may see your face and supply that which is lacking in your faith. Now, supply which is lacking is interesting <clears throat> because lack means... Getting something to a place where it's desirable because it's in deep deficiency. Yes, yes. You must recognize your life got deficiency. And, and, and so, but supply means to cause something to be in a condition where it functions well and it is restored and properly arranged. He said, well, I want to supply what's lacking in your faith. I, 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 don't, know if, I don't know if you remember, um, you know, I know some of y'all, are too, you know, uh, Soul Train, you know. And on Soul Train, you know, I don't come on no more. Some of y'all, what's that? But they used to have this point on Soul Train where they had the little chalkboard. And on the chalkboard, they had, you know, the letters all on it, and then they'd be dancing, you know what I'm saying, going like this, while Don Cornelius, you know, going and carrying on, you know, going like, you know, doing their thing. Don Cornelius said, I want you to go ahead and and, and see who the star is. They'd be dancing, going their thing, ponytails going and everything. Then they go ahead and put that thing together. And it's all jumbled up at first, but then they pull it together, and arrange it. You know what? That's what God does with your life. When God supplies what's lacking, your life is all out of order. Things are all over the place. And know what He does? He says He just and stretches it out. Says, "Voila!" That's what He does with your life. When He supplies what's lacking in your faith, He puts stuff in order. But listen. In order for you to do that, you gotta, again, I'm just gonna say it again, you gotta admit that it's out of order. Yeah. Yeah, See, I had people, I had one dude tell me, I ain't sinned for nine months. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you you. I said, you just sinned in what you said. <laughs> I ain't sinned for nine said, like, Wow, you're lying right? But, 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 but again, in order to have your life rearranged, you have to admit that it needs it. Oh, yeah. and, and, so, and so Paul says, I want to supply what's lacking in your faith. Yeah. It's not in belief, but in the structure and stability and spiritual growth of your life yeah. as you believe. And that's what's beautiful. You need to let the Lord rearrange your life today. Yeah. Let him rearrange it. Because some of y'all are scrambling in human energy to do what it only takes heaven that you can do. Some of y'all are just scrambling, trying to get it done. And, and you, you don't understand why it's not happening. Because you haven't involved the king in it. Oh <laughs> haven't involved the king. Listen, the king, I told you he's a gentleman. He will whoop you, but he's a gentleman. He said, I, I want to put it in order a one, 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 uh, proper order of life. And so I'm, I'm about to close, but I'm just praying for us today that we would be real. I, I, I just, I, I, y'all know me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a lot of, I don't have a lot of formality to me. And that comes from a bunch of God raking me through the coals. Sorry about that. God raking me through the coals of just saying, man, like stop fronting on me. When you recognize everything's phony. And just say, God, I just need... I mean, why don't somebody say, I just need you today? You come to church every week, and I got a word. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's the word having you. Give it all away. Sell yourself out to the living God. And I guarantee you, he who trusts in him will never be disappointed. Will never, ever, ever be disappointed. Trust him with your sex life. Trust him with your singleness. Trust him with your finances. Trust him in your marriage. Trust him in your role. Trust him in your job search. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him him in every area of your life. I'm gone. Father. Um, Lord, we we want to just abandon us. Just some some self-abandonment type stuff, where we just we just say, God, you you're all there is. Just Lord, like we we we. That's why you had to say, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. Know why? Because we're, 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 we are, we are, they were fatigued trying to get a righteousness that only God could give yeah. through you. And God, we've been doing things on our own, trying to run our own life. I don't care where we are in life, we need you. God, help us to starve ourselves of these empty passions and return to the one who's the true passionate one who could make everything all right. In Jesus' name, amen.